you. Welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully you'll experience one by the end of this. At the time of this recording, we will have crossed the threshold of 200 episodes of my late night show, and we're closing in on 50 episodes of this podcast. What does that all mean? Well, I'm just as qualified as Dr. Oz to run for the U.S. Senate. Yes, but don't worry. I would never do that. I like myself and you, the American people, far too much. What I am best at is providing you, dear listeners, with a pleasant, hopefully compelling bit of distraction during these horrific, seemingly never-ending pandemic blues. I'm joined, as always, by producers Zvia Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard, our guest today. Oh my God, I can't wait. Is the legendary David Sedaris, who wrote the classic Santa Land Diaries about working as an elf at the Macy's Santa Land. Did either of your families do like a mall Santa type of deal? <laughs> uh, I remember doing that. In retrospect, yeah. it's very creepy because you're sitting on a stranger's lap <laughs> and asking 100%. for presents. I don't yep. know why we ever did that. But my favorite, my my like favorite thing is to attach to anything Santa related was this little brief window of time where I found out what the deal was and my little sister still didn't know because I got to have this kind of like little secret with my parents and it made me feel really grown up. And I remember I got to sort of help with like putting the presents out and I got to eat the cookies that were for Santa. And I would write um, notes to my little sister from Santa and I would also write one from Rudolph with a red pen specifically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is so sweet but it was so exciting because it was like and i could stay up late i don't know how old i was but i was young enough that staying up late was like a huge deal and like waiting for right. her to go to sleep so i i believe in the magic of santa is my whole point you know okay. separate so from the mall nice. stuff that's really nice that's i was nice. always struck by like why would people want a stranger front and center in like their <laughs> christmas cards right like that's valuable real estate i feel like it's a little Why is that a thing. <laughs> when you really when you really break it down, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. Like that is not a relative. We only did it one time and I'm so with my own kids, I'm so um understanding when they don't want to talk to a stranger. Like I really don't care if they yeah. don't I don't like I don't I ask my children specifically not to just defer to strangers just because they're grown up. So it is mm-hmm. weird for me to be like Go sit on that man's lap and right. tell him all your secrets. <laughs> tell <demand>. him. Go. <laughs> tell him. <laughs> so we did it we did it once or twice, but they were not my kids were not into it. And then we <laughs> the one time that we all remember is when we did go to Macy's and the hour like it was like a three hour wait to to meet Santa. And they made it very nice and it was very, very special. But we had just given away all these gently used toys like the month before and there was a spongebob in there and they had never played with it no one had ever (laughs) like it was there for them to use and and play with and they loved spongebob they just never played with this toy so we go we line up for three hours we get there this santa is so nice each kid goes up he asked my older daughter what she wanted she was like nothing and then my son sits on his lap and he goes, what do you, what would you like for Christmas, little boy? And he goes, a SpongeBob. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> she wants nothing. She's just giggling. And this one just asked for something that we just gave away. <laughs> okay. And it stares you dead in the eye. <laughs> stares you dead in the eye. Oh. I want my goddamn SpongeBob. <laughs> Where's my SpongeBob? So then I had to, anyways, you know, we made the magic happen. 
Oh, one year. He, oh, this is so cute. Adam, you have a little baby. When, one year, my son asked for just he, the only present he wanted. Sophia, you may know this. He, the only thing he wanted was a headshot from Santa that was signed. He was like, oh, there's a headshot of Santa that he signed. <laughs> that is both heartwarming and hilarious. It was so... He, so why he, would he think Santa has headshots? Just because of you? Because he's famous. Well, I don't know. We don't... I don't know how he even really knew what a headshot... It's not like exactly. we have... We haven't had headshots in 20 years. Like we have, I have some sides you, that I want Santa to read. Yeah. Like when, you, when you're working all the time, you don't really have headshots anymore. You yeah. kind of go away. And so we don't have them. We're not like... I mean, we do have that room that just has our pictures all over. We don't have all your awards. We don't have any like pictures of ourselves up on the wall. We have nothing. Yeah. And so I don't know even where he kind of (laughs) understood that concept. More specifically, he wanted one of the headshots from like Santa in high school, and he was like, (laughs) "Holding a rose." (laughs) Yeah. So wait, what did you do? Did you get a photo? Yeah, we printed up. We of course, and it was it's autographed. It's by, the real uh, Santa. It's the real Santa, and it's it's still framed. I mean, we have it framed. We have it up on the wall. I think it's He's so funny. He's gonna put that up in like his college dorm room. It's the goddamn cutest thing. It is just is the type of like I could my whole I get like a whole my stomach cramps with how much I love how much I love that that happened. <laughs> Okay, all right. Oh, I'm so excited about this. All right, okay, don't go anywhere because we have David Sedaris coming right up. Joining me today is someone widely considered to be one of the funniest people in America. Writer, performer, humorist, David Sedaris. Oh my Lord. For close to 30 years, David has been beguiling audiences with his hilarious observations, his raucous personal essays and stories. His latest, A Carnival of Snackery, chronicles his diary entries from 2003 through last year, and he already has another book on tap, Happy-Go-Lucky for 2022. Plus, he's currently touring around the U.S., so make sure to see if he's coming through your neck of the woods. Oh yeah, I need a vacation just after reading all of that, but I'm so excited. Welcome to the show, David Sedaris. Hi, Sam. Hi. I'm so pleased to meet you. Oh, you too. Oh, this is very exciting. I'm so grateful and happy that you said yes to doing this podcast. My goodness, you must get asked to do a lot of these things. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I mean, because I don't have any of the ways for people to tell me. (laughs) Okay. So I don't know, really. That's true. Well, thank you for being here. I know you're touring again. Can I ask, where are you today? I'm in South Bend, Indiana. You're in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. What is it like for you touring in a post-pandemic world? Is this the start of your tour now for your new book? No, no, no. I started September 11th. You did. Okay. And uh, I've been to, I think I'm going to 72 cities. And I only have like four more left. Oh. But it's been interesting going from place to place. Yeah. You know, like some cities like Seattle, you know, you have to wear a mask in all the common areas of the hotel, and then you wear a mask, you know, show your vaccine status at the hotel restaurant. And then other places are just wide open. I I actually felt unsafe wearing a mask in Montana. In Montana? Yeah. Because you were just like, there are so many microbes flying around. No, I just, I mean, from force of habit, I wore one into the hotel and they looked at me like I had worn a Hillary Clinton t-shirt to a Klan rally. Right, 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 right. They're like, you don't belong here. Do you not know what we're about here? 
Well, yesterday I went into a place for lunch, and I realized no one had a mask on, nobody who worked there, nobody, uh-huh. and I was the only one. And I said, do people come in with masks? You know, like, what's the deal? Like, right. And it can be different, too, within cities in a state, right. right? Like Palm Springs was completely different than Los Angeles. Right. So every day is different. And how are you, because so much of, I mean, I have to say, I've read every single one of your books. And, and when I told people that I was talking to you today, I pretty much everyone I know like dropped their bundle of groceries or like ran the car off the highway. They were so excited. People really, oh, really? yes. Oh, yes. People know you and they love you. And, and so much of, I mean, everything that you do is relating to people, you know, talking to people, relating to people. How different is that now that people's faces are kind of partially covered depending on where you are? Well, I think, you know, again, they tried to put it in the contract that I have that people had to prove they've been vaccinated to get into a show. But then in every state, you're not allowed to do that. So there were states when they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a sheet of plexiglass, but, you know, it makes it hard to hear people. So I just kind of push it to the side. And I don't wear a mask when I sign books because it's harder to talk to people. Uh So it's kind of exactly what I want was for everyone to wear a mask but me. Right, yeah. Plus, I just got my braces off, and so I really want everyone to see how nice my teeth are. But the other night, I was in, oh gosh, I, I should remember where it was. Oh, in Milwaukee. And that was the first time people in the book signing line, they didn't have a mask on either. Okay. And then I was like, uh, I don't know about this. Okay. You know? So you just got your, okay, what kind of braces did you have? Did you have like, did you have train tracks? I got those or? invisible braces. You had invisible braces. And you know, I only had to wear them for 14 weeks. What? Yeah. I know it. Oh, my God. And I had, like my sister Amy said, it looked like I swallowed a bomb and it went off. <laughs> my time froze like a nanosecond after it went off because my teeth were all widely spaced and right. then jutting out. Right. And 14 weeks it took to correct that. 14 weeks. Does that yeah. seem like enough time that it would take? Like, I would be. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, my gums are like quicksand. Okay. And so I understand. if I fall asleep on my face, I wake up and my bite is different. <laughs> I got to tell you, that's one of my greatest fears is like loose teeth. (laughs) You know what I mean? I have so many dreams about loose teeth and then falling face first down subway steps. (laughs) Just Me too, but mine was a living dream. A living dream. Because I used to just cover my mouth and meet, you know, when I talked to somebody, when I met them. Yeah. But uh, now I cover my mouth and then I think, wait a minute, they should be the ones covering their mouths. So... I feel pretty good now. You cover those ugly chiclets, you people. Look at these gleaming piano keys. Ugly ugly chiclets. That is really, that is really, really great. And I feel like your teeth are so much, they're so integral to your pride and how you present yourself. To me, that's really exciting. I love it when people just explore those things that make them feel so much better. Well, it was that during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the worst of it, when I started wearing the mask, yeah. I thought, okay, I hate this, but there's something I like. And what is it that I like? Mm-hmm. And I realized it was people not judging me for my teeth. Oh. Because they were the first things, you know, if, yeah. if you were to meet me, you would think, you know, a year ago, you would think, oh my God, like, what's going on with his teeth? <laughs> so, and I know you would be thinking that. You would deny it. It'd be like, 
you know, if I had a big birthmark on my face. Okay. And if you said, I don't notice a birthmark, you know, you'd just be... (laughs) Just be lying. You just have, it just looks gently like South America, and it's on your (laughs) cheekbone, and I love it. It reminds me of a great vacation. (laughs) You know, you wrote, and I I don't even, like, all of your, your stories... I, I, I'm reading your book right now, and you talk about this dermatologist. <laughs> they ended up going to a dermatologist who did a procedure on you that you didn't want. And I feel like a lot of people got procedures and things during the pandemic where they could keep, they could kind of keep everything concealed and then do a big reveal at the end <laughs> where they're just like, ha ha, look what happened. Well, I, you know, it really is from all the years that I've lived overseas, it's an American thing. You know, I, I mean, I went to a dermatologist because I had a rash on, on the side of my mouth and I was getting ready to go on tour and I didn't want a rash on the side of my mouth. And I, my guess was that it was an allergic reaction to nickel and it came from drinking out of the sink. Oh. And the dermatologist I went to said, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe he said, but what I'm really concerned about is all this dead skin on your face. Right. As if there was like a, <laughs> as if my face were like pumpkin colored. Right. And that beneath that, it was ivory colored, right? So we just like plaque, like I had a lifetime of plaque on my face. (laughs) There's some slate or some shingles on top of this beautiful baby skin, and we got to slough it. But American doctors, I got to say, they only steer you toward toward the cosmetic. Oh, they do. They do. When I first had my first baby, I got like a big, I got a big cold sore on the side of my mouth. I don't know what it was. No hormones, everything went crazy in my body. And I went to this brand new dermatologist who I had never been to before and came so recommended. And I, <laughs> I walked in so vulnerable, just tragically, like just, <laughs> just half dead. And she looked at my face and she said, oh, looks like somebody blew the whole rugby team, huh? <laughs> you tried to sell me <laughs> tried to sell me wow. a multitude of cosmetic products and i was like can i just get some like higher powered blistex is all i'm here for but thank you for <laughs> you're killing that's me. one of my um conversation starters during the book signing uh-huh. is uh is it hard for you to keep semen off your face mask <laughs> People do you think that people people must laugh, or some people walk away in tatters. <laughs> you know how some I, you can see in your eyes when you've chosen the wrong person, sure, to kind of play around with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But it's like, uh, yeah, that that happens from time <laughs> to time. But I do love how much time you spend with people. You're so generous at your book signings and your meetings, and I think that's. I think that's really lovely. I truly think that's lovely because people are looking to make a connection with you. They feel so connected to you already. Does that ever go into an uncomfortable place? Not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can count on one hand the people who have kind of overstayed their welcome. Okay. You know, but it doesn't usually happen. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I want the same thing. Like I want to make a connection with them. Right. And this must happen to you a lot. You know, people, they have something prepared that they want to say or they want to impress you. Right. And you kind of need to get beyond that. So often, like, asking a surprise question will throw them off balance a little bit and you can get to that place. Right, right, right. It's actually the people I don't 
that really kind of set me off that I keep there longer because I think I don't want them to leave until I like them. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. So you disarm (laughs) them. How do you get the semen off your mask? And they go, I don't know. I prepared a whole story about my cat. <laughs> but sometimes you can ask somebody a question. And it just this this woman came the other night, and her Italian grandmother uh-huh. right had five sisters, and her grandfather slept with every one of the sisters, and the grandmother forgave him, but never spoke to any other sisters again. What? Yeah, and I, I just, I thought that was fantastic. That's... I mean, I, I just really liked learning that. Yeah. So, how much time did you spend talking to this person? A couple minutes. Yeah, but I, th- I just thought that was, I don't know, that was just yeah. completely fascinating to me. And uh, so that happens, you know. I mean, every now and then, when you're lucky. Do you still draw a little picture in people's books? Are you drawing pictures in people's books? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A popular one now is I draw a ghost. Oh. Because uh, I draw a ghost, Mm -hmm. and then I say, this is a ghost that lives in your mother's vagina. (laughs) (laughs) A naked woman in the background. Or if their mother's dead, I say, she's been living in your father's asshole, this ghost, for years. He was in Montana, but he wanted room to move around. So he moved into your father's asshole. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Or, you know, it helps, too, because like I wrote a new essay, and in it I was talking about on the coast of North Carolina – they have all of these uh, people jack up their trucks. They right. buy these massive trucks and they jack up the front wheels. And then they take the mufflers off or have them adjusted or something. Right. So they make a, a big roaring noise. And in North Carolina, they're called Carolina squats, oh. those trucks. Okay. But uh, last night I learned that um, in in Michigan, they're called bro dozers. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and that came from the book signing, you know, just asking people like, is there a different name for them here? Right. Oh, bro dozers. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what they're called in Canada. I don't know that we have a name for them. That's where I grew up in Toronto. Well, they were just banned in North Carolina, I think today or oh. or a couple of days ago because they jack up the front of it so they can't really see the road in front of them. <laughs> you know, so if you were, if you put a child in front of the truck, sure. they wouldn't be able to see it. That's not, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a, it's not a. A good safety feature on a car. You should be able to see children. You should be able to see. That doesn't bother me. It's the noise that bothers me. The noise me. is terrible. Now, are you living part time in New York? Is this true? You're back. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah. Part time. Yeah. Okay. Is there something specific? Like, I want to, you know, for all of us who read your stories, we want to imagine that you're just here to spend more time with Amy and having fun cookouts and stuff. That has like that. been really nice because mm-hmm. I was there for most of the pandemic. Okay. And so that was great to see her, you know, like yeah. three or four times a week and to hang out. I mean, we were always close and we always would see each other, but, you know, not four times a week, not since I left New York in 1998. Okay. So. And how are you coping with all of the trash? Because, you know, litter is a giant 
problem for me as well. So I find it incredibly satisfying actually reading about you and collecting litter. I find it actually satisfying on a really visceral level, imagining the bags of trash and your trash pickup truck in in England. So how do you, when you walk down the streets, are you like, I've got to, I've got to get a bag. I got to clean this. I mean, my mouth waters sometimes in the United States, but like, I don't have my equipment here. No. You know, I mean, every now and then I'll pick something up, you know, like let's say if somebody leaves a newspaper at a bus stop and it's a windy day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's going to blow down the street. Yeah, I'll I'll pick that up. Mm -hmm. But one thing I notice in the United States that we don't have in England is that cinnamon flavored whiskey. Fireball. Oh, yeah, Fireball. Mm -hmm. And everywhere I go in the United States, I find empty bottles of Fireball. Fireball. Who's drinking all the Fireball? How do you serve Fireball? I don't know. But I think they should have a trap door in liquor stores. Right. And when anyone comes to the register with Fireball, (laughs) just open the trap door and there'll be like a 20 foot drop with spikes in the bottom of it. (laughs) Here's go be with your go be with your people. <laughs> are you walking a lot? Or do are you walking a ton? Do you, when you're in the city, are you just like walking like crazy? In New York, yeah, yeah. What I what I used to do, uh, what I did for a long time is I went out after midnight and tried to walk like five or six miles so I could wake up with steps because there was no during the worst of the pandemic when we all had to wear masks on the street. I thought, well, I'm going out at midnight, and I'm on the Upper East Side, so I'm not seeing anybody. Okay. So I think I can go without a mask on, you know, from 12 until 2 at night. But then a couple of things happened that weren't, you know, just some run-ins with okay. with, uh, with people. And, you know, I was never robbed or beaten or anything like that, but it was, it was uh, you know, they weren't. They were just people who were fucked up. You know, like when somebody's sure. fucked up and, and you can't reason with them? Yes. And they've got their hands, let's say, uh, you know, one hand on your penis. Sure. And the other hand is, is fumbling for your fumbling. anus. <laughs> yeah. Just all around in you, on yeah. you, <laughs> excavating <laughs> you. So then I started going out uh, first thing in the morning instead. Okay. Yeah. And when I'm on tour, I try to get, you know, I try to walk as much as I can. But, you know, you don't always know the city. So often I wind up on a clover leaf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Those are safe. Because I think I just want to get over to the other side of, yeah. the, you know, this 16-lane road. So if I take, and then people are shaking their fists and making the what the fuck sign <laughs> out their window at you. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck. I don't you're know. Signed, you're giving them back. Just cars screeching <laughs> off the highway, yeah, off the overpass. <laughs> it is hard when you're on tour because you don't know the neighborhood you're in. You're like, I don't know. When does this does this road end? Does this go forever? And then you find yourself in a place with absolutely no people. But then sometimes it's, uh, you know, like uh, the last couple of times I was in South Bend, I stayed in the town, which for some reason must have like, I don't know, eight chocolate shops in it. Oh, and, I and, like that. And it's not so it's not so attractive. But then today I'm on the campus of Notre Dame and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Okay. I, I had no idea the campus was this beautiful. So that's great going out for a walk in this. I love it. Do you have, um, what does America look like? Because you've been 
afar? Well, I mean, you came back quite often, but does it feel different living here, spending more time here? Do you feel those contrasts in a totally different way? Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that one ways, you know, living overseas, and then you come back to the United States. Well, when you come back to the United States, it's like when you're at customs, they it's like they take an overcoat that's been soaking in water, and they put it on you, and they say, this is race relations in the United States. Welcome home. And they put this heavy, wet coat on your back. And it's just always something you wear in the United States, and you don't notice it until you go to another country where it's not your thing, you know? Right. Like, when I moved to France, you know, the stuff that's going on between French people and Algerians, that's not my thing. And I could just right. walk down the center of it, you know? Right, 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 right. You're not steeped in it. You didn't grow yeah. up in that. And so, and once people realized I was American, then they... And in England, it's like with class stuff in England. It's yeah. it's not my, uh, it's not my game, you know. Right. And so once people hear my accent, then I'm absolved. Right. The same way that French people would come to America and go straight to Harlem, you know. Whereas like a, a white American wouldn't. I mean, now white people live in Harlem, but before that happened, you know, they wouldn't do that. But French people did it, and they. They were like, uh, oh, it's a great place. Why, right, right. You know, why didn't everybody go? So, and and then coming back to America and being in America now, it just feels so divided to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so scary. Yes. And you follow, I mean, you really follow politics. How has your, because a carnival, when reading A Carnival of Snackery really reminds me of those good old days when we thought that George W. Bush was the worst president of all time. Right. And it almost, you know, it, it almost feels quaint compared to what we've, I mean, he was terrible. Obviously, he was just unbelievably terrible. But what we have recently experienced has been so traumatic, continues to be so traumatic. How did you process all of that from abroad? And now that you're here more, how do you, how are you feeling? You're just feeling that split, right? Well, I mean, you know, when Brexit happened when I was in England, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but one big difference is there's not, there aren't the machines that kind of are constantly churning people up mm -hmm. in England that they have here. You know, okay. there's not conservative talk radio, there's not Fox News. So, I could have neighbors who voted for Brexit and I could still go to their house for dinner and I could have a lovely time and I have friends who voted for Brexit and they weren't the enemy, you know? Right. They thought different and they voted different. Plus, it's not my country. So, right. I mean, even though I have papers to live and work there for the rest of my life, there's a lot I'll never understand about it, which I kind of like. Right. But it's been interesting being back here in America on this tour and driving around and the number of, you know, Trump 2024 banners and signs that we're seeing. And it makes you realize, too, you know, when you, you know, we live in our little bubble, but get in that car and drive across Indiana and, and right. Kentucky and Missouri and you'll see, you know. You don't have to go very far outside no. the city. <laughs> but another thing you'll see if you drive across 
is you'll see, if you're driving across Missouri anyway, you'll come uh-huh. upon Uranus. There's a town in Missouri called Uranus. Wonderful. And they were always made fun of, and mm-hmm. so they decided to, like, double down. So they built a fudge factory. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> yes, they did. They built a fudge factory, and there are billboards <laughs> that say the best fudge comes from Uranus. <laughs> and, it never stops being funny. <laughs> Is it the best fudge? <laughs> I, don't, I can't eat chocolate. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the um, So many of us came to know you from Santa Land Diaries. Is this time of year, do you have PTSD from it? Do you enjoy it? Do you embrace it? Uh, no. I mean, I would never read it out loud. Right. Uh. I don't, and I, you know, I think you're lucky if you have something that resonates with people. But to me, it's exactly what it says. It will. It was my diary during the time yeah. I worked at Santa Land, and so when I look at it, I just the writing seems so clunky to me, and it oh. just, I don't, I, I, I can't get past the writing. So, I would never wallow in it or read it or right uh, you don't like roll around in your own stories yeah do you ever revisit your old (laughs) material do you go back or it's just too horrifying you're like i am a different oh look how much i've evolved like how many how many drafts of a story will you do how many versions of something oh gosh well on this tour that i'm on right now i probably started with i don't know nine new essays Mm -hmm. And then I would read them out loud and go back to the room and rewrite them and read them and rewrite them. So, I don't know, like, I don't know, 17, 18 times probably. Okay. So it's not like 247, like version 243. Okay. And then sometimes something happens. You know, I wrote something over Thanksgiving. It's going to be in the New Yorker next week. Great. You know, and that was maybe like, I don't know, five drafts. And then, I mean, it was just, it's just short. And so it didn't really warrant more than that. But if I don't know, if I'm going to be reading, like tonight, I'm going to read something. And and if I have a chance, and I have the audience in front of me, I don't want it to be the same as last night. Like, why not take a chance? And why not right. see if, you know, punch this up or uh, right, right. try a different word there? Or because if you have the audience, yeah, why not? You know? Yeah, they're a tool in your process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got good discipline for writing diaries. Have, is it true that you've been keeping a diary since the 70s? You have always written. Since 1977. Since 1977. How do you find that discipline? Or is it so much a part of your practice now that it's just, it's like breathing? Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think about it. I mean, it's the first thing I do every morning. Mm-hmm. But it's not always, you know, it's not always interesting. But I'm compelled to do it. Right. It's so funny to be talking to a person and we just so many of us who've read all of your books we feel like we know so much about your family we know so much about you do people in your family which i definitely feel like all your books and stories are like a love letter to your family we all feel this but do people in your family disagree with you about what happened do people have qualms in your family about how something went down uh well you know i you give it to them to read mm-hmm. 
And then they'll often they'll say, they'll, you know, they'll add things. Okay. Or they'll say, oh, and remember this happened and this happened, which doesn't mean I'm going to put it in the essay because sometimes it just kind of clogs it up. Right. But I think everybody, you know, like I just, my father died recently mm-hmm. and everybody in a family has a different, uh, you know, a different mother or father. Sure. I mean, so I think most everyone in my family understands that the father I had is was different from the one that they had. Right, right. So they they understand that. Right. You know, I mean, it could be hard. I remember when my mother died, my sister Tiffany said, "You know what? I'm glad that bitch is dead." And and I wasn't. I was. I loved my mother. You know, I I I couldn't really. I couldn't. I couldn't hear her at the time. You know. It, it was just too soon to be here, and that just seemed like treason to me. Right, you know? right. So I, I understand that, too, that, you know, people are in a different place, and they don't necessarily want to hear maybe some of the, you know, mm-hmm. terribly negative things I have to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Do you do you read about yourself? Do you read when people write about no. you? Oh, you don't. You don't read anything. No. Do you? I do not. I cannot. Yeah. Why do you make that choice for yourself? I want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Same. I mean, I I don't, you, you know, sometimes stuff will get back to you. Yeah. You know, we all have that friend, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That friend who wants to tell us all about it. And I, 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 RuPaul says, whatever other people have to say about me is none of my business. And I don't know how that makes sense, mm-hmm. but it does to me. Right. You know, yeah. it's just none of my business what people online right. uh, have to say about me. It is none of my business what, you know, the book critic for the L.A. Times has to say about mm-hmm. me. It's none of my business uh, what, I mean, I do get mail oh. and I answer my mail, but. Do you answer, you answer it? Yeah, yeah. But most of my mail is, I mean, I, I think one of the. One of the horrible things that's happened to us as a society is that it used to cost you money to complain. You know, uh-huh. you would write an angry letter and then you would go to put a stamp on it. You would realize you only had one stamp left and you'd think, do I really, <laughs> is it worth <laughs> worth it complaining about this? Because I could use that stamp for my electric bill. Right. But then complaining became free and then it became encouraged, right? So it's right. free and encouraged and rewarded. But usually when people put a letter, a stamp on it, they're just writing to say that they read your book and that they enjoyed it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just being nice. And so, yeah, it's a pleasure to write them back. Remember in Spy Magazine how they had a whole column or a whole uh, section devoted to fake letters that they would write to companies and try to get free stuff? Oh, yeah. Uh Oh, God, I really miss it. I really (laughs) miss it. I remember so specifically there was one. It was like a complaint letter that they wrote to Triscuit or to Nabisco about (laughs) finding insect legs woven into the Triscuit cracker. (laughs) I think they got like a whole case of Triscuits for it, like a lifetime supply. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it so much. Um, What do you make about... What do you make about anti-vaxxers and Q? Because they seem beyond mockery, but you must be like interacting with people out in the world now who believe the most outrageous things. Do they ever bring that to your shows or you're not really? 
Well, like last night, I was in. Uh, last night, I really should remember where I was. Oh, I was in Grand Rapids. Okay. And a, a army nurse was mm-hmm. one of the last people in line. And she was sent by the army because there aren't any beds left in the ICU wards in Grand <gasps> Rapids. And oh. so she was saying that these. You know, it's all people with with uh, coronavirus, and none of them are vaccinated. And she said, right. "You know, I really want to hate them, but my job is to help them." Right. So, and I thought, and you you hear that from professionals, you know, yeah. from health professionals a lot. You know, they really want to scold the person, but that's mm-hmm. not their job. But usually, the, like the. QAnon people and stuff don't they don't come to my shows? No, <laughs> no, come. I mean, no. but I mean, uh, there's somebody, you know, in my life who went down that hole, really? you know. And what's interesting to me is that it's not a person who anyone ever called smart. Okay, you know? mm-hmm. I mean, it's a person who barely got out of high school and never went to college. But here's this whole community telling him how smart he is. Right. And, and, you know, a woman came up to get her book signed a couple weeks ago, and she said, you have the most beautiful smile. And I never thought anyone would say that to me, ever. I mean, it was crazy that anyone, right. in my wildest dreams, I never imagined anybody saying that. It gave me a real insight into this person, you right. know, because he never thought anyone would call him smart. And now there are all these people right. telling him how smart he was. He is, and that feels really good to him. Right, you know? finding community, yeah. feeling, receiving a compliment from from a, a person who's like you. But there's not any, there's not, there's nothing that could change his mind. Right. Nothing. No, nothing, nothing. How do you think that you will survive the midterms? What do you think about, I mean, I hate to even say the word midterms, but we kind of have to. When you look at kind of what's on the horizon next year, how do you, I don't know, what's your reflection on that? I think it's going to get real ugly out there. Well, one of the things that I had to do, because I moved my, I was voting in New York, and then I moved it to North Carolina, because we have a house there. Yeah. And it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed more important to vote in North Carolina. Uh-huh. But, you know, I would tend to vote absentee. And if that's, I have to think in advance is that going to be impossible for me? Right. I'm usually on tour then, right? Right. So I'm having to clear a couple of days so I can safely fly down there. I mean, give myself enough time to reach there. Plus, I'm in a far corner of the state, so it's going to take, you know, it's a pain in the ass to get there. So to clear two days, and it, I mean, it sounded like a dick, but it's costing, it's costing me a lot of money to vote. Yeah. You know, yes. Then I think, well, not everyone can afford that, you know, or not everyone can, not everyone's going to make that effort. And and right now, I, 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 after the election, I just completely shut down. You know, I, when Biden talks, I feel the way I do on a plane when the pilot tells you that after reaching our cruising altitude, he's going to head north and then turn left at Lake Erie. I just think, <laughs> you don't have to tell me about your job. Just do it. Just. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been, I've never been so out of it. 
I mean, I felt like I could have, before the election, I could have mm-hmm. won any news quiz, anyone. Right. You know? And now, if someone said, what's the news? I would say, a woman tried to breastfeed a hairless cat on a Delta flight. <laughs> that's she, okay, let's talk about that. That ha- that's that's the new news story, right? Isn't that a pretty fresh piece of news? Where did I read that? Yeah, it happened a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. She tried or she successfully did it? Like she no, was she just doing tried. it? She just tried. Well, she couldn't get the cat to clamp on and the cat was freaking, <laughs> was freaking out. But of course, you know, you can't take a cat out of a cat carrier on an airline. I mean, a cat's going to freak out yeah. on a plane. Have you ever, have you held a a hairless cat? Have you held one in your life? (laughs) No, I haven't. And I don't know why the hairless detail is so important to that story, but it is. It's extremely (laughs) important. I have (laughs) held a hairless cat and it does feel like a human baby. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Plus, you can't just turn on the milk, you know? You can't just turn on the milk. I guess if you were already lactating, it's conceivable but you're not going to get a good latch from there's from a cat <laughs> can <laughs> you imagine those oh cat my. teeth clamping cat down on your nipples those little sharp <laughs> four of the sharpest teeth um, i was just telling someone that I, I can't remember who i told this to but i knew a guy growing up who a cat bit him and it penetrated his tendons of his hand and he almost got his hand amputated because cat scratch fever yeah was so real have you ever had a cat do you have cats oh i used to have a cat and i brought okay. my cat to france and then he went outside for the, maybe the first time in his life mm-hmm. and i was afraid you know, that he's going to run into the road. And so I snuck up behind him and grabbed him. The dumbest thing I've ever done. Yeah. He sank his teeth all the way to the gum oh, line in my hand. My so I got cat scratch fever. And my you hand swelled it. up like a baseball mitt. <gasps> and oh. I, I was fucked up for weeks. I mean, I had to go to the doctor and they put me yeah. in these antibiotics. And it was a, it was a, a, the dumbest thing I've ever done sneak up on a cat yeah it seems like the same thing because they he went in for multiple hand surgeries and they were like we might have to amputate your hand from this stupid cat in your life then then what are you gonna pet your cat with yeah you know a hook is not comfortable your forehead just (laughs) nuzzle with your breasts your naked breasts (laughs) how are you gonna put the cat in position to breastfeed on a delta flight this is crazy I like that Delta flight is really important part of it too. You know? It's really important. <laughs> it's just not the same on American Airlines <laughs> or Lufthansa. <laughs> I love how much mice uh, figure. I liked reading the the opening to Carnival of Snackery because mice do figure very prominently in a lot of your stories, and I think about mice all the time. <laughs> And they have a lot of experience with them. And so I just, I just, I feel, I feel for you. Do you have mice at your house in the country? Well, I have two cats. So yes. And then quickly, no. Like they come in, sometimes I find an acorn inside, just like I'll find an acorn in the basement. And then two days later, I find a, a torso of a mouse. This has just been. <laughs> I always love that finding half a mouse. Yes, you know, either the front end or the back end of a mouse. 
<laughs> front end, back end, midsection. My cat is, he's very, very good. So when they come in, I don't know why they're not, they should tell their mouse friends in the outside area to not even bother because he is a murderer. He's of the highest order and he will play with them for days. Just Everybody days. wants a piece of a mouse, don't they? They do. I mean, so many animals would be, you know, mice are food for, for mm-hmm. so many different uh, species. It's so bad to be born a mouse. <laughs> yeah, it so, really is. So bad. And also a rabbit. Try not to try yeah. not to be born a rabbit. But mice are so adorable, too. I mean, they're adorable. They are adorable. They're very cute. Yeah. Not rats, but mice are. Why do you not like... Well, why can you not extend that same... They look the same. I guess the tail is gross. The tail on a rat. Yeah, and it's something about the size, too. I never heard of a mouse chewing crumbs off someone's lips. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. I never heard of anybody dying from mouse bites. No. But you can die from haunted disease. Yeah, and their urine is really bad for us, too. Yes, so that's a slower death. That's a slow, agonizing death, and no one recognizes what you have until it's over. <laughs> anyway, do you okay? How do you do? You like do you like promoting yourself? Do you like do you like that part of it? Like when you do you have to do that part now? You just do you have to promote your books? Do you have to go on like Canadian news magazine shows and say, "Well, I have a book." Is that yeah part you do? You you mm-hmm. do all that. Do you like that stuff, or do you kind of go, "Oh, well, it's fine." I think beforehand, I grumpy about it Mm -hmm. but when i do it i don't mind it right you know i think you're a great dresser oh i love your fashions well i've been (laughs) i I was doing a sound check last week Uh uh-huh and uh i was doing a sound check in the theater and the stage manager was on the walkie-talkie to the lighting person okay and she said i think what he wants and then she turned to me and said are are he and him are those your pronouns and i said they're just shorts. I was wearing a pair of shorts uh-huh. with knee socks with a jacket that looks like I have a coat tied around my waist, but it's okay. actually sewed to the inside of the jacket. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought, you know, if you're going to be in front of people, you know, you need to be dressed up yeah. if they bought it, especially if they bought a ticket. It's just my ideas of dressed up just got a little bit further out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it. I love seeing like the socks and shorts and flaps and the sewing. It's very, I think it's, I don't know. I think you look great. I think well, you look great. Well, one thing I've been suggesting to people, yeah. I got these knee socks a couple of years ago. Okay. And they're made by Rick Owens. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the word cunt is written across the foot. Okay. And I got a pair from my friend Adam because... We travel a lot together, and I thought, you know, every now and then you're chosen for random screening. And I thought how funny that would be if he had to take his shoes off. and (laughs) Socks said cunt? Yeah, had the word (laughs) cunt on him. And I know that clever people are able to find things, you know, online and stuff, but Mm -hmm. because they don't make them now. But I thought when people say, oh, what should I give so-and-so for Christmas? A pair of knee socks with the word cunt on the foot is, who doesn't want that? That's a classic. Everyone wants that. (laughs) That's just a, that's a television commercial. (laughs) Christmas. Santa. (laughs) It is a classic. You're right. (laughs) Santa. Oh, I got my cunt socks from Santa. (laughs) 
I was just telling these guys before we hopped on together that I'm never going to tell my children the truth about Santa. It's a lie I'm keeping going forever until I'm dead. And I told them that I'm never telling them the truth until I'm until my deathbed. And even still, never. Do you do Elf on a Shelf? Yes, we do. Okay, because virtually everybody does that now. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we didn't have. But I just was asking what the housekeeper at the hotel, because mm-hmm. she was showing me where the fitness center was. Yeah. And she has kids. And I asked her about Elf on the Shelf. And she mm-hmm. said, it's a controlling mechanism. Oh. She said, because the, the elf reports everything to Santa. So it's just really important to keep it in their mind that he's watching you all the time. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I don't do it for that purpose. We do it because we love to, well, for one thing, my son, many years ago when he was really little, he said, is, is, He was like, is Santa real? Or have you and daddy been lying to me all these years? And I was like, I think that he's real. And then I realized that I would take that to my grave. And it's the same with the elf. So now I just, I, we write, it's more about magic. And everybody says it with the, (laughs) they know goddamn well, (laughs) the truth about everything. But I think they like seeing me be pathetic more than anything. <laughs> I think they think that I believe it. <laughs> and it's sad for them. I always think it's beautiful in a family how the older kids don't go to the younger one and say, it's all yes. it's not true at all. I think it's beautiful how they keep it alive for the younger kids. Yeah, that's that role is played by the people they go to school with, who are like, you idiot. Right. It's not real stupid. And then they feel that shame for <laughs> another year, and then come home and confront you. These twin five-year-olds came to see us in England, in the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. And these kids were just the greatest, really good eaters and yeah. just really curious. And we have this this caravan. It's like Professor Marvel's caravan that he rode in The Wizard of Oz. Oh. We have we have like one of those in our yard. Oh, wow. And I said, uh, used to belong to this old man, but we kicked him out of it. And now he lives in the woods and he's really <laughs> angry about it. And so he he comes and he tries to attack us so he could get the house back. I said, so you just have to keep on the watch for him. Okay. And then the boys were, uh, they said, is he a, a vampire? Uh-huh. And, and, I, and I said, uh, I... I don't I don't know why. And they said, well, you said you saw him at night. And so there's a chance that he's a vampire. And I said, maybe, you know, anyway, this was all a buildup because I, I had this over the head rubber mask uh-huh. of an old bald man that I was going <laughs> to put on and scare them with. And when I ran out of the woods towards them, uh-huh. I was so ashamed of myself. I mean, they shrieked. They they jumped out of their skin. They they spontaneously combusted into tears. Right. And I thought, well, of course, they believe in Santa. They believe in anything if you believe in Santa. Right. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that Santa was the man that you kicked off the trolley, and now he lives in the forest. (laughs) He forages. He spends spends the spring and summer just eating ferns and whatever he can find. (laughs) Ferns. Fiddleheads, mushrooms, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> I love your books. We're always laughing at your books. What do you read? Like, what what do you read to relax yourself? Or do, I mean, you do, but do you read to laugh? Or do you, are you like me? And you're like, well, I, I kind of do this for a living. When I read, I only want to read about World War II. 
or do you have <laughs> I don't I don't have anything against laughing, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't know that I seek it out. Right. I mean the things that I'm reading right now aren't they weren't sold as funny, you know. Okay. I mean they weren't but I don't I don't uh I don't have anything against it. Right. But do you reach for Chernobyl? Is that your natural place? I mean, I like a book about something that's a nonfiction book about, you know, uh, widespread meth addiction. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I like something like that. Mm -hmm. But I also like a, a novel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, anything that's horrible, um, I gravitate towards. Do you still have your stuffed owl? No. What happened is moths are <gasps> such a problem in England, oh. and moths just destroyed it. Yeah. Ow. Yeah, they destroyed a lot of our taxidermy. But Amy had a little chipmunk, oh. and she just looked up one day, and it was <laughs> all the fur was gone. Uh, off what? Of it. So, oh yeah, all the fur was gone. Everything. It was just. It was just basically dust on top of some bones. By the okay. time she. She had it up on a high shelf, and then she moths. Yeah, moths are terrible. Can you can you even battle them? I've had a personal journey with moths the last couple of years. They're hard. They're tough. Do you? Yeah, are, do you... I don't know that you can. I mean, in England, I have I, everything that's wool is in a plastic bag, right? But they're like moth balls. Are, you can't find moth balls because they cause cancer. You know, so <laughs> oh, I would. Yeah. Buy them in America and bring them there. Right, great. Bring those cancer balls. But then, you know, it's a trade-off, right? Because you have the cancer balls and then you smell like cancer balls. Yes, so. they do have a terrible smell. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm so sad about your owl. Okay. Well, I just got... But can can moths... Like, how high up can they go? Like, in your house or in your... Yeah, but like, let's say if you live in a high-rise... Oh, I see. Well, are moths going to go all the way up there? Are they going to be like, you know, like in San Francisco, there are so many like mentally ill people living on the streets, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of violence because of it, and it's just heartbreaking, you know. Mm -hmm. But I stayed in Pacific Heights on one on one of my last trips, and so you're basically climbing a mountain every time you go home. Right. And I felt like crazy people would. They Give would up. take a few steps and they're like, you know what? I'm not that crazy. It's and not so, worth it. Yeah. Life's too short for this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I think about that sometimes with our, because we live at the top, we live on the Upper West Side and we have a, our apartment is at the, the top of, it's like 14 stories, not a huge building or anything. It's really old. And we don't really have, well, only occasionally will we get a huge cockroach in our apartment. They do, we do get them from time to time. But I just think they're like, it's too hard to get the climb these pipes all the way up. This is nuts. We can do right. what we We've need had to do. One or two. But I think it's the same thing. Like, <laughs> plus, there's food on the floors below us. <laughs> We're going, I'm going to the fifth floor tops. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of action, sixth floor and down in the basement. Teaming. I'm surprised. I've never, I've never seen you in New York. I don't go out. <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I mostly, it's just, I feel like I'm always, it's very, I'm kind of like a homebody. I'm really like being in my house and I'm always doing homework with my kids and stuff. Are you social? Do you go out all the time or 
I don't know what we do now, but were you, would you go out if you could all the time fully? No, I mean, I would always be kicking and screaming, dragged mm-hmm. to something. And then I would go to a play or something and I would think, I should go to plays every night. Yes, I do get that. I do get that feeling too when I go to a play. I'm like, I why am I not doing this? As though someone else is responsible for me not doing it. <laughs> right. Have you ever gone to the symphony? You know what? I haven't. But I have gone to the opera lots of times, which I really like and don't understand at all. So I don't have any understanding of it. But I do. I enjoy it because it's so crazy and foreign to me. And I'm just like, what are they doing? How would they be doing this many things all at once? Is Do you go to the symphony? Do you like the symphony? I've only been a couple of times. But okay. then I think, I think, because I always think it's going to be so boring. Right. And then, you know, you sit there and then you have thoughts like, how long would it take me to eat all of my clothes? Like, not the <laughs> buttons or the zippers, but just, if I just had ate a little bit a day, how long would it take me? Mm-hmm. And then I thought that everyone around me was just thinking about the music, but no, they're thinking the same kind of things. They are. So, but I like when it's loud and it's yeah. jarring and and I think it's the same thing. Like, why aren't I at the symphony every night? But then I forget about it the second I leave. <laughs> I always you always think that you're going to go and everyone around you will be so enlightened and they all fall yeah. asleep. They're all asleep by the second whatever it is <laughs> by like 45 minute the 45 minute mark when everybody's attention starts to drift be like i'm the only one awake in this sea of people so i'm the best one <laughs> well i was supposed to i've been trying to record things for the new audiobook while i'm on this tour uh-huh and so the other night i it was a big audience and i i was i was really into it i had a great microphone and Mm -hmm. anyway there was a guy in the front seat snoring throughout the entire show so i don't think i can ever use that (laughs) recording i kept thinking like somebody nudge him or somebody you can you can get him out of there get him stop him please (laughs) i did have this i went to um i went to see What's the big one that, oh, To Kill a Mockingbird, what's the big one? I went to see To Kill a Mockingbird, was pre-pandemic, and I was so tired. And I was sitting so close to the front, because, I don't know, and and <laughs> definitely fell asleep hard. Like, full sleep, very restful, <laughs> beautiful, this type of sleep you dream about. You're just like, mm. And I woke up, and Jeff Daniels was staring at me. Like, he woke Ooh. me up with his eyes. <laughs> with his <laughs> penetrating <laughs> stare from the stage, staring uh, down the barrel. It's very... <laughs> I was like, well, you should have acted louder because I would have stayed awake. <laughs> you need to do that with more projection next time. <laughs> oh my God, we've talked, for a, we've talked for like an hour. This is... I'm so pleased to meet you. I really... You too. Hmm, boy, oh boy. And I really like your show and how energetic, you know, when, Ah. I mean, just, uh, I think standing up was such a good idea. Oh, thank you. I felt weird. I don't like to sit at a desk. It feels unnatural. Like, I got to use my whole body or I feel asleep. I would make everybody go to sleep, like, like the way that Jeff Daniels fucking put me to sleep (laughs) during To Kill a Mockingbird. 
Well, it just really changed the whole energy of a show like that. Ah, oh, thank you. Well, I've read every single one of your damn books. I love hearing your voice. I, I want to see your teeth. This is a big deal. This is a big revelation. Maybe we'll run into each other in New York City at something I would love that. classy, a symphony orchestra, or just nothing classy at all. Just the fudge we shop. We could sleep through the same play. We could sleep through the same play and get some fudge from Uranus <laughs> and share it. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you so much, and I just wish you well on this tour. Stay safe. You're the best. I don't know. Just the best. Thanks so much, Sam. It was a, it was a real honor for me. Okay, I need to squeeze in another quick break here. So no Jeff Daniels on the pod is what we're saying. <laughs> He's been burned. <laughs> did we did we ask him? No, never. No. I just think that's so funny that he personally looked at you and was like, "What the fuck?" Oh my god. It was I was so embarrassed. I was You're like, so "I know how it ends." <laughs> but listen, still racism. You know, we all know to kill a mockingbird. I didn't miss any plot points. Right, the right. bird you know. gets killed, whatever. The bird oh. gets killed. Who <laughs> <laughs> killed the bird? I never found out. I can't believe you guys had never met. It felt like listening to two old friends. Just catch up. I am going to send him a nice prezi. I got to send him a nice prezi because I just like, in a way, I just need to, I need to be able to thank him for, like, I don't know. I don't know how many books he's written. Eight books, 10 books, 15 books. I've read them all. Like I have them all for the hours and years of entertainment. I mean, he's just the greatest. He is so great. And his fashions are very good. Yes. I think. Yeah. I love how he dresses. I'm so curious what his teeth look like now. <laughs> I'm so curious. Well, we should tell listeners that the cameras were off yeah. on that cameras Zoom, were so it's off. a mystery for us as well as them. I you know. You have to see him on tour. You got to go see him on tour to <laughs> yeah. find out what his teeth But you know what, like. is, what is so funny is when he was talking about his teeth and he was like, you know, if you looked at my teeth before, you would have been like, what's going on with those teeth? But that's mm. I don't think that's the case. Because I, 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 I mean, I don't. I, yeah. I think I loved his teeth. I didn't really <laughs> notice them. Everybody's got something that's like their weird thing. Totally. Everybody's got a thing on their body that they're just like, everybody's looking at this thing. And it's so rarely <laughs> true. But it's nice if you can fix it. If you can easily, in 14 weeks, goddamn fix the thing that bothered you your whole life. That's great. <laughs> Efficient. That is really, that's really great. That's a bargain. Oh, that was great. I'm covered in sweat. I loved right. it. <laughs> okay, well, I don't, I don't want to bring okay. you down from that because no. we're in a good Do mood. It. But um, you, we, you guys talked about how David has this amazing relationship with his family and his sister, yes. Amy, who we also love and is an icon in mm -hmm. her own right. Yep. Um, so we wanted to play a little game inspired by him uh, that I'm calling sibling rivalry. I know you were an only child, okay. so you're going to yes. have to imagine in this circumstance that these mm -hmm. celebrities, you, you are one of the siblings, and you have to determine... Which sibling you would rather be, or maybe who's had the better career, or who you oh. just or who you just like more? Just we want you to weigh in on these famous sibling duos. So, for instance, so I have to pick one. I have to pick yeah, which just is weigh, the better. Yeah, weigh in if you were if, if you had to be, you know, one of these groups. So, for instance, Mary okay. Kate and Ashley Olsen versus mm -hmm. Elizabeth Olsen. 
Wait, are you counting Mary Kate? Are you I'm counting as one them as one person because <laughs> they really it's are. Insulting. No, no, come on. Is there that big of They're a difference? The same. They're, They're the, the same. same. Thank you. They Thank love you. that. Twins love that. Yeah. <laughs> They're always leaning on each other as if like the one couldn't stand up without the other. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, just like, oh. Okay, well now either of them are going to come on the show. Either. Neither, we're not getting them on. Boy, oh boy. That's not a bad thing. This is a catastrophe. <laughs> which which of, which do I pick? So uh, WandaVision or yeah. this other very successful duo, now fashion designers, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you get to, with with Mary Kate and Ashley because they're two people in one. I'm going to pick them because you get two you get you get two people in one. <laughs> feels like a good feels like a good deal. Yeah, two minds are better than one. You know, that's a bogo. Yeah, that's a bogo. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Buy one, get one. one. Oh wow, <laughs> Adam. I had not heard that term. Adam. <laughs> Oh Can we cut that? Out? No. The world wants to know that you don't know what a bogo is. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a, a sibling duo that we, I feel like you've talked about a lot. Uh, okay. About Donnie and Marie. Donnie and Marie. You know what is r- truly awful is that I forgot they were brother and sister and almost thought of them as married. Couple. I think everyone did. <laughs> I don't think that's good. No. I'm going to pick. Donnie. Interesting. I'm going to pick Donnie, but I'm definitely going to find out after this that he's like the leader of Q or something. (laughs) I'm going to really... I'm going to regret it. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Okay. This is very... This is arbitrary. I'm going to pick Donnie. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a wash. Okay. Okay, Okay. We're entering into darker territory now. I'm just forewarning you. Dennis okay. Quaid or Randy Quaid? Oh my God! Keep in mind, Dennis Quaid is one of Sophia's great loves. That's true, so but that I love Sam very much, also. <laughs> okay, already. Well, I'm gonna pick. I have to. I mean, I. I mean, I have to pick. Uh, what? Okay, wait. What's the What's the good one? Dennis, I would say, in Dennis. this circumstance, I forgot his Only name. By comparison, possibly. <laughs> I forgot his name. No, no, no. Listen. Parent Trap is a yeah. classic. It's Inner a classic. Space. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Quaid is, is is classic. But for some reason in my imagination, I have it. I feel like Randy Quaid, I feel like I've met him and wow. he really, and he likes me. Oh. And I don't, and that's compelling. He's one of those people you, you want to make sure likes you. Like you want him on your good side. <laughs> You do. So you want to be on his I, good side, I should say. I don't know why. Maybe he used to watch a, the Daily Show when I was on Isn't it. He there, like it's a possible. Hardcore Trump supporter. No, he's just no, crazy. He's. I gone thought he was like somewhere else. I thought he was into like election fraud stuff. He might be. I think he's just like anti-government conspiracy theorist. Like yeah. anything will do. Anything that falls into that grab bag is good for Randy Quaid. He was on the on the run from the law because of tax. He stuff. was. Yeah. But you know what? His performance in uh, National Lampoon Vacation yes. is Classic. one of the just top 10 comedic performances <laughs> of all time. So yeah. I have to give him that. Surprise. Yeah, he's he was great. <laughs> all right. What about the Affleck brothers, Casey or Ben? Oh. Do I have to choose? You don't have to choose. One has some serious <laughs> allegations. <laughs> okay. I'll choose. I'm going to choose Ben. Hmm. But I don't, they're never, I'm, 
I'm not concerned that this is going to be an issue for the podcast. <laughs> they already weren't coming on, probably. Well, speaking of serious allegations, we've got... Okay. Uh, this is the last one, and I, mm-hmm. it's probably the worst. Stephen mm-hmm. Baldwin versus Alec Baldwin. Oh, how could you? <laughs> how could you? I can't choose between the Baldwins. What? Oh. Oh. I choose Billy. Wait, yeah, this is, which well, one yeah, is he? He was the one who was in uh, uh, Backdraft. Okay. And does, does, is he off the deep end? I think he's like, okay. I think he's, considered, he? I think he's considered like level-headed-ish. Who's he the one age who's... Cora Baldwin? Yes, yeah. There's one other... Daniel. But he had a lot of Daniel. issues, too. Who's the Baldwin who was in... There's a fifth? <laughs> Isn't there? I only know about the four. Oh, it's I'm, like a it's like the variants. They release a new Baldwin every six <laughs> oh, months. Many many Baldwins. <laughs> I loved all of his performances. <laughs> That's a vi- this is very difficult. But you know, I also have to say, Alec Baldwin has given some. Oh, he's a great actor. He's Just, really he's got great. some problems. <laughs> he does. There's no question. I cannot. I cannot. I I'm, I just plead the fifth on this one, but I will think. <laughs> but I do thank Alec Baldwin for being like just a like rock solid actor. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's so good on Thirty Rock. It's yeah. a crime. Like he's so good on it. Mm. And Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Yeah. Yikes. Okay, <laughs> he's giving some great performances. Yeah. He doesn't put you to sleep when he performs To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> Slander Mm-mm. of Jeff Daniels nope, on this podcast. He pod. just serious. We should. <laughs> we can never ask him to be. No, he is great. Jeff Daniels. Is, <laughs> he, he is the one. Let's reel right back. this back in. <laughs> I have to do damage control in my relationship. <laughs> Samantha B feuding with Jeff Daniels. That is I do. TMZ I really, material. <laughs> I really do like him. I don't know what happened. I was really tired. Yeah. I was so tired. And then you go to see a play and everyone's it's so hot. <laughs> it's so hot and the lights go it down. Is, yeah. mm, and you already know the story. Oh it happens. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was great. Full body sweat. Okay. I hope you like my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow full release in Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullrelease at samby.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on the Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune in to Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron-Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. Santa is real. Santa is real will be my last words <laughs> on this earth. It's going to say that on your tomb. Santa is real. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> uh...